We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Race attack on watch out. Burst of speed. Look at this freshman. Welcome to the home of professional football. Canton, Ohio. Hello and welcome to another episode of the College to Canton podcast, the perfect show, in my opinion, for any and every college football and NFL fan. And I'm your host, still Travis May. And if you're joining us for the first time, College to Canton is a show where we talk about everything from college football recruiting all the way to the Pro Football Hall of Fame, in-season NFL breakdowns, NFL draft content, everything in between. We always talk some fantasy football since this is a Road of His radio podcast, but we always make sure to dive into some real college football and NFL analysis too. We've been talking a lot about college football playoffs, NFL playoffs, and last week took a look at the top 24 incoming rookies this year for fantasy football, according to you, the listener. But this week, we're going to take a look at the top college football NFL draft prospects that are returning to school that will be names to know and to draft if you're into Debbie Leagues or college fantasy and things like that in the not-so-distant future. And to help me dive into this topic, a couple names that have joined us on the show before. I'm joined again by Matt Wispay, at WispyTheKid on Twitter, and Stefan Leco at Stefan Leco on Twitter. Both of them host the Rotoviz College Football Show on Rotoviz Radio and contribute to the Debbie content that we put together, some weekly pieces throughout the year uh, with written content. And we're about to completely redo our Debbie ranks here soon in the near, very, very near future. So if you're into that kind of league, be looking for that update here soon. But Glad to you know just hang out with you guys again. Have you guys on the show? Uh, you guys been doing okay? No, <laughs> not at all. <laughs> they can't not hear you all. shaking your it's head, Stefan. Man, it's <laughs> been a couple of weeks since we've been on. I've been floundering over here. Yeah, I know. In fact, we had to miss miss you, Matt, because uh, what the last time we were on was the uh, college football playoff special. I had Stefan join me, and I I think it was probably for the best that Matt you you weren't there because. Uh, <laughs> You don't curse enough on your show, so I I couldn't make an appearance on that one. Yeah. Uh, uh, For the listeners who uh, are listeners to the college road of his college football show, you you hear frequently about my bedtime. Uh, I don't usually stay up very late uh, because I wake up at three thirty in the morning. Well, I was trying to stay up through the. uh, I I mean, I stayed up for ninety nine percent of the national championship game, but I was not going to stay up later to. complain and moan on travis's <laughs> podcast and uh make him do a lot of editing out of curse words so yeah i uh, i just took the uh let's go to sleep route so yeah 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 we uh, we were talking about that stay with stay fun we were just like you know yeah, I, I don't know if Matt would really want to be reminded immediately that oh yeah his his team just got crushed in the national championship game so that's okay but 
Really glad to have you on. I uh, really do enjoy the Rotoviz College Football Show and, and what you guys do there. So, listeners, if you haven't checked that out, definitely uh, follow, check out their feed or their show on Rotoviz Radio. Either feed, you can find their content. And actually, what what day of the week does I think you guys drop it on on the Rotoviz Radio feed? A different day of the week, right? Yeah, we do Thursday for our feed, and then Friday. I mean, in season Thursday for our, for our feed, and then Friday on the main feed. But uh, in the off season, we'll just be dropping it on Friday on both. Okay. Well, good. Well, yeah, definitely check that out. But we're going to dive into some of the best returning college football players that are going to make an impact in the NFL, most likely, here soon as well today. But before we do, this is the College to Canton podcast, and we did just get to see a new Hall of Fame class make it make their way into Canton in the Pro Football Hall of Fame just this past weekend. First off, Alan Fanica, six-time All-Pro guard. Coach Tom Flores won a couple of Super Bowls with the Raiders. And then, of course, Calvin Johnson, Megatron himself, you know, one of the most dominant players at any position of all time. And then we got John Lynch. I mean, he's been an executive as well, but people forget he was an all-pro safety three years in a row. Peyton Manning, of course, multiple Super Man, Bowls. Living in Denver, John Lynch is all they're talking about today. Well, that and Peyton, of course, but oh, my God. They yeah, yeah. Here. It's funny, like different communities, like, uh, you know, all my Indiana buddies, like huge Colts fans, like they're they're just like, what? How in the world is Peyton Manning already old enough to be like in the pros or in the Hall of yeah. Fame? But it is kind of crazy. Seven times all like some of these numbers, when you see it, it's, it's just bonkers, like seven times all pro five times. MVP for Peyton Manning. Like I, I forgot, like just how how ridiculous. I mean, I I remember he was dominant, but man, five time MVP is just that's crazy. And then we got Bill Nunn, forty seven seasons with the Pittsburgh Steelers as a scout. Like that's that's insane. Like a guy that helped build the nineteen seventies dynasty for the Steelers and and was with them, I guess, all the way up till 2014, 2015. And then Drew Pearson, wide receiver, you know, back in the, the pre-free agency days, going from undrafted free agent to three times pro bowler. Like that was that was really rare, really hard to do. So Drew Pearson. And then of course Charles Woodson, uh, first player to 60 interceptions and 20 sacks, and then 33 forced fumbles. Like he did everything as a defender. So a lot of people just think about, you know, the, the tuck rule. He also picked a very bad college. <laughs> Yeah, whatever, whatever, Ohio State fan. But yeah, but it's just another incredible class. But what's you guys, I'm sure you guys have favorite plays or memories of Calvin Johnson, right? Like, can you guys think of a, just a play that stands out to you or a moment in Calvin Johnson's career that you just think, man, that, that guy was just absurd? The only memory I can pull off the top of my head right now is, I think it was, uh, it was, uh, it was in college and he basically went like sideways on a catch. Um <laughs> Like completely no again, horizontal. Give you any details? All I know is he basically the uh, the freak score that we sometimes reference at mm-hmm. Rotovis. He's basically the reason the freak score exists. So yeah, yeah. No, Calvin Johnson was absurd. Yeah. No, my my favorite thing about Megatron was uh, I think it was in 2012 where he just had. I think he had almost 2,000 yards receiving, yet somehow yeah. he only had five touchdown receptions. Yeah. Like, just <laughs> crazy. Like, he would do everything but get in into the end zone. But dude was a freak. I loved him. Uh, I had him in a, the very first Dynasty League I ever did. I had him. Uh, and he and, like, Marshawn Lynch were, like, the staples of my team. Uh, and then all of a sudden, I went from dominant to uh, yeah. rebuilding. All at the same time, <laughs> just, like, the, the, the carpet yanked out from yeah. underneath you there. Like, oh, yeah, by the way, I'm retiring yeah. at, like, 28. Man, I just I wonder where he would have been overall in the career numbers had he just stuck around for a couple more years. But hey, if I played for the Lions that that long, I'd probably want to quit too. So, but right. seriously, but I mean, even like you mentioned though, Matt, with his college numbers, he's he has almost a perfect production profile. Like you know, like we talk about the the yards per team pass attempt, the the dominator rating, all these different things, the adjusted production index. Like he's he's a 95th percentile adjusted production index player. Like he had a 55% dominator rating, you know, accounting for more than half his team's offense through the air in his peak year. And it had like over three adjusted yards per team pass attempt in his peak year, which is uh, again, like 85th or 90th percentile kind of numbers just across the board, checking checkbox, checkbox, checkbox. And so he's just the... He was just the if he, if he was around today as a prospect, there would be absolutely nothing like that. We he would be the answer at the position, obviously. And then he was. He yeah. just kept dominating year after year. But uh, definitely still miss Megatron. Although I'll, I'll still never let it go. Back in 2010, 
there was he was against the Bears. He caught the, the, what should have been a touchdown, and he was kind of still scooting backwards on his butt. And then, like as he was coming to a stop, he like set the ball down, and and before he got up, and so they reviewed it and took the touchdown away. Like he was clearly done. Like he was just barely scooting on his butt in the back of the end zone, and just put the ball down. <laughs> is <laughs> a technicality. They it. took the touchdown away. And I lost that game. It was like week two. And because I lost that game, I missed the last seed of the playoffs. But had I made it into the last seed of the playoffs, I would have won the championship. And so I, I still remember this. I'll never forget it. I just was bitter about that. You know, it was just one of those plays where the guy who beat me that week was just talking crap the whole season about that one play. And even 11 years later, I remember... <laughs> Calvin Johnson. And those he, bad beats. Yeah. Those bad they beats. Stick they stick with you. you. They stay a lot longer than the great victories. Like <laughs> the worst beat I got was it was the fantasy football championship game. It was a Monday night football game. I was going against the 49ers defense. I was up by like four. It was the end of the game and they threw a pick six that like 49ers already up. The guy just had to pick it off and kneel. He didn't. He ran into the end zone uh, and I lost and I was livid. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, you remember this. I'm not bitter. I'm going to drink some more beer over here. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, that's, that's probably enough on this, this hall of fame class, just a, another studly crew uh, from all different eras, but kicking it over to the subject of today's show, uh, talking about returning players and kicking it off with quarterbacks actually, because you know, we have some absolute all-stars, uh, really deep quarterback class this year. At least it seems that way. Now, I'm not sure I feel like that uh, really about the upcoming classes. There's not like really a Trevor Lawrence or even a Justin Fields necessarily that I'm I'm pumping up, you know, years and years in, in advance. But who's the guy, who's the quarterback one for each of you? Uh, kick it off with Matt here first that's returning to college football. In the purpose of Debbie, sure. the one that I would take first. Sam Howell. If you're asking which one, if I have a team that has the ability to take some time and uh, can uh, wait a year or two, I think my QB one would be DJ Uangalele. Um, oh yeah, he yep. provides. I think I think he has the most upside of any of the quarterbacks. I don't see. I honestly think his floor looks a lot like Cam Newton, and that's kind of a. It's a crazy thing to say that his floor might be Cam Newton, and uh, yeah, I mean, I that's. If you're if you're in a position where you can wait two full seasons for him, he looks like the truth, and that would be kind. Of, that might be the one I go with. You're down on next year's class. Next year's class is super interesting, though. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. It's it's interesting, but I, I like that. I'm a huge Uyunglele fan myself. Uh, just in the limited action that we saw, he just he almost never made a bad pass. Uh, you know, people wanted to pick him apart for a couple bad throws he had on out routes in his first college game against Boston College. Whatever. Like he. He did really, really good. So I'm a, I'm a huge fan. He is my overall, I think, quarterback one. Uh, but I think the safer option might be Hal, given what we've seen and given what he's kind of done with his deep ball. But uh, where, where are you with quarterbacks and, and your quarterback one that's returning to college football, Stefan? Yeah, that's not an interesting conversation all of a sudden because I've got yeah. DJU um, as my number one guy as well. Uh, I, I, uh, I, I have some other, I have some deep cuts. If you want some deep cuts of guys I like, but sure. uh, my number one guy is, uh, is DJ. Okay. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I really like DJ. It sounds like we all do. And I think Bryce young, once he gets in, in the, you know, in the starting quarterback position for Alabama, even with a, a more young wide receiver core, I think Bryce Young's going to insert himself into that conversation as well immediately this year, just because, well, it's Alabama and they again have five, like, I think they have five top 60 recruits this year that are all wide receivers on top of that. But do you think it's insane? So I actually, I've, I've been thinking about this because their wide receiver room, other than the incoming freshmen, don't you kind of feel like it sucks? Like, yeah, I mean, I know people, do people keep the disrespect of Mechie out of your mouth. I'm sorry, he's <laughs> terrible. There's Mechie. He's got like Billingsley, I think is the most upside receiver of the bunch, but like Cade, what was it? Slade Bolden. No, um, yeah, he's not good. No, there's not a like there isn't a ton of talent. I actually went back through and like tried to look through the recruiting classes and like this year is the outlier. Usually like it's not like Ohio State that's been stacking these years over. And I know that makes it whatever. Uh, It's not like Ohio State that's stacked these year over year like recruiting class where they have multiple top 100 guys. Alabama really kind of after they've got the big four where they got Judy, um, Ruggs, 
uh, Waddle and Devonta, they kind of just like took their foot off the gas and now they needed to replenish it. And yeah, you're right. This year's class looks ridiculous. I, I'm not sure which one of the bunch uh, I'm the highest on, but yeah, I, I mean, they're going to be really young. That's the only reason that I'm worried about young this year is I almost wonder, are they going to run the ball so much because that wide receiver room is so young yeah. and so inexperienced, but no, I think they do. I, I, mean, I think I Bryce follow. Young. I think I think they go back to like Jalen Hurts. Like you know, he's yeah. going to have a huge rushing year himself, probably. But yeah, I think. I mean, I think you. The for me, I think there's there's four QBs that kind of stand out right now returning. I think it's Hal Rattler, DJU, and then it's probably Keaton Slovis. Is your is would be most people's four just based on what we have seen, his upside, what he could be. But five is where it gets really intriguing to me because I could make a case that Daniels in that little bit we saw from him at the end of the which, year, George is there. Yeah, say which Daniels, baby? Because there's two that, uh, that well, I think. Well, JT Daniels. Yeah. Everyone knows my my affinity for Jaden Daniels. Right. I, I think he has some upside. And then, like you said, Bryce Young, is, I think, is that other one. There's, there's a lot of QB talent. And then I didn't even mention the one that's going to win the Heisman next year, CJ Stroud. Um <laughs> Okay. watch it's happening okay no, i i'm i'm only half kidding but i did tell people to bet that so i mean i i think this there's a lot of returning talented quarterbacks so for anyone who's worried that oh no we just saw six potential first round quarterbacks leave college football it's gonna be it's gonna be a wasteland no it's gonna be a lot of fun yeah i agree there, there's there's yeah. some talent there and, and we and haven't even really even, mentioned one of the guys that I wanted to talk about. Oh, go for it. You might, you, no. you might bring him up right now. I mean, Spencer Rattler, is that the guy you were going to talk about? No, no, no. I, I did you not mention him? I mean, I I, he's my yeah, two. Yeah. Okay. Okay. No, I, I was thinking, and, and I know Matt doesn't like him because we've talked about him. Not, you, you like him. You just don't think he's going to translate to the NFL, but uh, just seeing the, the jump that he, if you say Desmond made, Ritter, I, muting myself dylan gabriel baby i i am a believer i really think that you know he's only a sophomore he's a young guy i really think he can make the jump he has a great i think he's a great deep ball uh i think if he had uh a little bit more visibility i mean i know ucf is a former national championship with their undefeated season but um i i really like him i really think he could uh if he continues to progress i think he could be uh, really good. He needs to add a little bit of weight. He's only like 180 pounds, <laughs> six yeah. foot, 180, a little small. But um, I really like him. I think he's a underrated prospect, and uh, I think people aren't baking in the fact that he uh, he could have a big third year jump. Yeah, it'll be interesting because you know he just lost his head coach. Head coach went right. over to uh, you know UT, uh, the bad UT. Well, I guess they're both bad. But anyway, Tennessee, <laughs> you know, and he went over to Tennessee and tried to fix that hot mess. Um, I wonder if, you know, they'll mix things up or, or what. But yeah, Dylan Gabriel is another name I like to kind of make a jump into the uh, top tier 2022 quarterback conversation for sure. So all good names to note here. I mean, like sounds like up top, we're talking DJ Uyunglele for Clemson, Bryce Young, maybe depending on what happens with the wide receivers there in Alabama. Sam Howell out of North Carolina continues, will probably continue to produce. I, I wonder what it looks like without Diami Brown, without Daz Newsom. Bill Corrales is returning, but uh, you know he's losing both of his running backs and Javante Williams and Michael Carter there. So he'll be working with a, with a stable of, of kind of newer faces or at least inexperienced faces. Yeah, his offensive line is pretty much all coming back, though, which is yes. yeah. a big deal. I mean, I mean, you saw what happened uh in the Super Bowl, when when your offensive line's not playing well, it's a big problem. So he should be able to to have some time, and uh, it'll be interesting to see. I I'm not as big of a Howell guy as everyone else apparently, but uh, but I I think he'll be fine even without uh, my boy Diami there. Yeah, and I think Spencer Rattler continues to grow, uh, and you know he's not losing key wide receivers there. I mean, he he looked to have a, whoa, a really whoa, solid. Whoa, Charles Rambo would like to have a word with you. I mean, he he ended up what he he ended up. Uh, ended up like being the wide receiver three for them by the end of the year. So this year, yeah. So Marvin Mims coming back, they're they're bringing in some good young talent again because they're Oklahoma and that's what they do. Spencer Rattler, I think he could rise, uh, continue to rise if he's not already in the quarterback one conversation for some. Uh, he could land there as well for for next year's draft. I'm still high on Keaton Slovis and the air raid that they're they're you know they continue to stick with there. Kind of a weird year there. I mean they they. I mean, they only had six games, <laughs> so it's kind of hard to assess. And uh, late start to the Pac-12 season. Uh, same with Jaden Dan- Daniels at Arizona State. You know, it's just when you have that kind of a small sample, it's really hard to kind of put a staple or 
uh, say, you know, it, have a definitive stance on any any player off of such a narrow window, I guess. But but really, I, I am excited for some of these these quarterbacks. I think there will be a name or two that, that jumps up into the conversation that's not currently being talked about right now. I mean, some people even like uh, Carson Strong, some people like Grayson McCall, some people like Desmond Ritter. You know, there, there are other names. Tyler Shuck. Yeah. No, yeah. So no. I had to throw it out there. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Uh, may, maybe. Maybe. We'll, we'll, we'll probably. No. Uh, no. Okay. Yeah. Not that guy. But <laughs> there will be a, a tons of other guys that I think jump up into the conversation, even for the 2023 NFL draft here soon. But b- before we get to the super interesting positions that everyone likes to talk about in running back and wide receiver, are there any tight ends returning to college football that you guys are like, you know, planning your flag on and confidently getting excited about for the NFL. Cause I mean, this, this year's class has a, a ton of producers, like seven guys with decent production profiles, but next couple of years for tight end looks a little, little slim. There's one name everyone should care about. He, he is a freak. He is one of the best athletes that you'll see there. If there's a guy that is going to be a Kyle Pitts, it's Eric Gilbert and he just replaced him. So Eric Gilbert was product or was productive for LSU he, I mean, LSU's offense was anemic and Eric Gilbert was still worth watching. So that should tell you um, what he was doing there. So Eric Gilbert is an athletic freak. He was one of the top athlete prospects in his high school class, came and was an instant producer for the defending national champion, whatever the heck that means anymore. <laughs> but now he's going to a system that has already proved that it will exploit the tight end position. And I, I think he could be the guy. He's the only one I would recommend in Debbie drafts, even tight end premium. Honestly, he's probably the only one I would even recommend in the top four rounds. Okay. Yeah. The only other name for me is, and it's another one, It's a you're waiting a couple of years, but it's Michael Mayer for Notre Dame. He, he was another guy. They, they put him on the field right away. He was an early season contributor. And honestly, I think by the end of the year, he might have been like their second or third leading receiver. He was right yeah. up there near the top for Notre Dame. So He was. So. Uh, I, I mean, he's he's at least a guy that people should be looking at. I don't think he's super exciting. I think with him, you're hoping that his career is kind of like Zach Ertz. I think and that sounds like I'm to me, like, but you're looking for a poor man Zach Ertz. Yeah, to me, he could be Greg Olson though. I think I think he's that kind of. I think he has that kind of upside. I like Michael Mayer. I like Eric Gilbert. Uh, transferring to Florida now, and Michael Mayer, of course, at, at Notre Dame. You know they're they're returning some wide receiver production. Going to have probably a new quarterback there with Jack Cohn transferring in, Tyler Buckner coming in as freshman as a freshman there. But I like him a lot. I also think Jalen Weidermeyer is another name to watch. Maybe Jalen, maybe Jaleel Billingsley. Uh, Weidermeyer, That's what I was going to say. Yeah, Weidermeyer, of course, Billingsley. at Texas A&M. But uh, Jaleel Billingsley came on strong for Alabama late in the year. So you were going to talk about uh, Billingsley there, Stefan? Well, and I think Matt kind of brought it up earlier. Like they're losing so much production at the wide receiver position. I think Billingsley, he's already like when you told us like kind of what we'd be talking about today, like when I was going through the tight ends, I, I wrote his name down and I wrote, I don't know if this is cheating because like, <laughs> I think he lines up in the slot more than he lines yeah. up um, in line. So I don't know if he'll be a tight end in the NFL or not. I'm not exactly sure what he'll be. But I do think he could see a huge jump in production this upcoming year just with um, the turnover on offense that that I mean, they're losing um, all their wide receivers are losing the running backs, I, I, I think, or running back, excuse me, Najee uh, Harris taken off. But I think Billingsley is going to see a big spike in production and that could translate to uh, some 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 buzzing around draft time. I, I, and he's only a, he's only going to be a junior. So I think yeah. I think he could be a uh, solid. And then I'd be remiss if I didn't meant at least take 10 seconds to say. <laughs> Jeremy Ruckert's production profile is going to suck. Yeah, it's, it's gonna not going to look good. But he is, if if he does ha- go to, I mean, if there's a combine again when he gets there, he's going to look very good at the combine. He will. He's a guy that I would say film people. T- We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Tend to love him, even though his production kind of sucks. So... I think he'll be a dude that is can be productive in the NFL. I just don't necessarily think he's going to be someone who we're going to be pumping up his draft stock or sure. because he's just not going to have the production because Ohio State doesn't throw to a tight end. Yeah, that's fair. And that's probably all the names I'm super interested in. Maybe Charlie Kohler, Jake Ferguson, or uh, you know Kohler out of Iowa State, Ferguson out of Wisconsin. You know, maybe you know one of those guys creeps up into the conversation and, and starts to be interesting, but. Yeah, that, those are the big names to remember for tight end. But uh, before we outline the, the best returning running backs and wide receivers and then wrap up the show, just a word from our sponsors. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything, which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. What's up, Rotoviz listeners? It's Colin Kelly here, executive producer of Rotoviz Radio and one of the co-hosts of the Rotoviz Overtime Podcast. I just wanted to drop by and say thank you, as always, for listening into another Rotoviz Radio production. As a loyal podcast listener, you can save yourself 10% off a Rotoviz NFL pass right now at rotoviz.com forward slash podcast or by simply adding the code RVRADIO2021 at checkout. That'll get you access to all of the content and tools on the Rotoviz website, the best tools and content in the business for the best listeners in the business as always we do appreciate you listening to each and every show and if you do have 5 10 15 seconds to spare please drop a rating for today's show on your favorite podcast app it is much appreciated with all that said thank you once again for tuning in i hope you have a great day now let's get back to the show all right so we talked about some quarterbacks some tight ends the uh, hall of fame class uh, but, but now for some running backs returning running backs to college football uh, you know, we've been kind of spoiled with some really good running back running back classes here recently. You know, the 2021 class looks kind of shallow in terms of elite options. And really, 2022, the NFL draft next year, again, looks a little shallow. But beyond that, there are definitely some names to get excited about, in my opinion. So I'm interested to hear, you know, your overall returning running back one for college football. It doesn't have to be next year necessarily. Overall, returning running back one for you guys what about you Stefan? oh for me it's got to be Brees hall uh, i mean he just was a freak this last year i think he was the best don't say player he's a running no. back no no say, <laughs> i almost was gonna say i thought he might be the best running back that we saw this year um but i don't know if that's with etienne that's not even Harris. i think that's correct but he he was just freaking awesome and so <laughs> i i can't imagine anyone jumping him uh for rb1 even out, like if, if you're in a super flex, I get it. But outside of a super flex, like uh, in most Debbie drafts, he should be, you know, one one on one in my in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, he has everything you want and, he, and it was not a, a perfect situation. I thought he may come in this year uh, and, and really the rest of the offense did kind of take a step back except for Brees Hall. You know, they were they were kind of redoing their offensive line. I think that really affected Brock Purdy and his ability to uh, have a decent passing profile this year. But Reese Hall, I mean, what, what led the entire nation in, in rushing? Like he had, what, 1,560-something yards, like 20-plus touchdowns, tons of yards after contact, and he had to deal with – it's not like he got a bunch of free yardage with uh, right. Iowa State. He, it was one of 
It was not even like in the upper half of power five in terms of yards before contact per rush attempt for him. So really not ideal situation. And he was, he was just like, Hey, by the way, I'm amazing. And Oh yeah. By the way, he can catch passes too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm right there with you with Brees Hall. I, I think some people are on Bijan Robinson uh, for, from Texas uh, you know, he was like the overall running back one that came in as a true freshman this past year for many. You know, maybe he wasn't the fastest running back. He's got great build up speed. Maybe his first step wasn't great. I think, you know, people were trying to nitpick him coming in, but he was he looks real. Like it looks like, wow, it, late late season burst. It looked really silly that, that he didn't see the ball a whole lot more early on in the season for Texas. So what, do you guys have him as the top overall running back for the 2023 class? Yes. Not close. Not close for Matt. Okay. Really not close. I all season. I, it was kind of funny because we've, we've talked about this a few times, like mid season, we were all, we were all boosting Gibbs. We were all boosting tank Bigsby. And I kept sitting there and wondering, I'm like, is Bijan Robinson going to start getting the ball consistently? Is he going to start being the guy that gets utilized there? And I'm now so happy to like, I, I don't actually hate Tom Herman. I don't mind him. Um, but <laughs> He did a very bad job of putting, letting the best players run the ball. So yeah. he constantly would run the ball with Ellinger. He constantly would try and roll out Keontae Ingram and just no, that was it was an awful idea. You've got a running back that, as a true freshman, had 86 carries, which okay, that's not really that much, but he averaged 8.2 per carry, 702 yards, had four scores. By the way, everyone knows I love me a good. Uh, running back that catches the ball every once in a while, 15 receptions for 196 yards and two more scores. That is my type of running back. And by the way, they liked him so much, they let him return a kick once this year. He didn't do very much with it. He got 16 yards. But, I mean, he, he looks to me like the most up, the highest upside of all the running backs out there. And I, I include Brees Hall in that. I, I think that Brees Hall is probably, to me, he looks a lot like David Montgomery to me. I think he's yeah. going to be incredibly productive in college. I think he's going to do a ton of like good and his stats are going to be amazing, but I, I don't see any specific trait that stands out to me as him going to, he's going to be special. Whereas Bijan Robinson isn't super fast, but he was the number one recruit, number one running back recruit in the, I believe he was the number one overall uh, running back recruit in the 24 seven composite for his year. Yeah, he was, it's, it's absurd. he was the dude that Ohio state wanted to build their running game around. And he was so close to being a Buckeye and I still don't hate him. He isn't dead to me and he really <laughs> jilted the Buckeyes. So that should tell you he's absurd. Yeah. Another name I want to throw out there that uh, shouldn't be ranked that high now, but I could see by the time we get there uh, is former five-star recruit Demarcus Bowman. Uh, recently left Clemson to go to Florida. I think he could have a resurgence uh, with the Gators. I could see him um, elevating his stock quite a bit. I know that's kind of hot takey, but uh, I'm not usually a hot take guy. I really think he's got the the skill set to yeah. to flourish in that offense. Um, we've saw, we've seen what Mullen can do with that offense. They haven't had like an elite running back like this year. Like Pierce wasn't the guy. No. Um, I think with 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 um, with Bowman there, it could, it could be a lot of fun. I think he could get his name back in into our mouths quite frequently. Uh, Matt, with, you're giving me the craziest look right now. No, the issue I have actually with I was yawning. Um, <laughs> the issue I have with Florida is, and I, I talk to a lot. I I'm in a few Debbie leagues, and I one of them is a pretty close to the Florida program. And one of the things that's always get brought up about them is they don't necessarily rush to put the best talent on the field. They put a lot of value in seniority within the program. Yeah. And which is annoying. That's why, that's why Tony didn't really break out in this until this year. It's why Trask had to sit and wait behind Felipe Franks. They don't necessarily rush to do it. So I actually, even though I think, I think you're right. I think Bowman, whenever Bowman gets his year where he's the lead guy, he's going to be incredibly productive. My worry is, is he going to be splitting reps with Pierce this year? Um, and if he is, that's not yeah, great. Yeah. So that that's my only concern with, I like Bowman. I'm with you. I think Bowman should be a dude that is on people's radar. And if he's drafted in a league and mid season, he only has like 30 carries shoot out your last Debbie pick uh, as an offer to a guy just to see if he'll bite because he is an incredibly interesting talent. Yeah, he has. I just loved his speed and, and really his balance too. I think he, he really, like it would have been perfect had he just stuck around and uh, been the heir to Travis Etienne for Clemson. But uh, he kind of got impatient. He saw a couple other guys see some work before he did that were, you know, returning guys. And so 
he uh, just said peace and went to somewhere else. So hopefully he gets some work because that he was a I really liked him and in my uh, true freshman uh, running back rankings this past year. But you know we'll see what happens there. I'm a huge huge fan of of his and Bijan Robinson though. One, one stat that just in, intrigues me most about Bijan Robinson is he is. In fact, you know, if he had a few more carries, he would have met like meaningful thresholds for year long stats. But in terms of yak, like yards after con- contact per attempt, he was actually first among all power five running backs ahead of only, you know, if he, you know, only uh, like Ty Jordan, who sadly actually passed away this this December and Javante Williams, who everybody is is, is just drooling over <laughs> so far in this uh, incoming NFL draft, except for Matt. But uh <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'm really pumped to talk about uh, Bijan Robinson when he goes off this fall. Didn't die when he had like the worst landing in the entire college football season. Yeah. He came down basically on his neck and played the following week. It yeah, the he tried to is, hurdle the guy right, and then he got he got yeah. like upturned, and they, yeah, that was scary. But uh, but yeah, who else you guys like? Because I mean, there's so many running backs that I think are, are top names and, and especially freshmen like Jameer Gibbs for Georgia Tech, you know, really doing well despite Georgia Tech being a dumpster fire otherwise. Uh, Tank well, you Bigsby. You haven't even talked about your boy. There he is. Yeah, Come Tank, on now. Car- Tank, Cartavius Tank Bigsby, Auburn. Like the only thing that was positive at all about the Auburn offense last year was Tank Bigsby. I mean, and that's on, on, on a team that has, you know, Olympic speed with Anthony Schwartz and a really dominant uh, red zone guy like Seth Williams, Tank Bigsby was the guy. He was the talk of the town. Like, if you're an Auburn fan, like, you are all in on Tank Bigsby and probably out on Bo Nix. But <laughs> Tank Bigsby is <laughs> is the real deal. So am I crazy for having him, like, as a, a top five current Debbie running back right now? Running back? No. I, I, I'm kind of with you. Um I have I'm not I'm not with you as him in the top five, but I am with you as, like, he's definitely in that conversation for me. Um, the only reason I probably wouldn't make the jump is just you have to wait that extra year for him. And I do think that I would rather personally, I would rather take the dude. I'm going to say after this, I take I take Eric Gray over him just because you can get Eric Gray next year. But no, I, I mean, Bixby looked kind of special last year and he was a highly regarded prospect and he he seemed to show all of the things that you would want. Yeah. And Eric Gray is an interesting name just because he transferred just here recently and apparently he's landing with Oklahoma. So you you were a fan of that landing spot, huh? So Oklahoma is quietly a team that likes to run the ball. They want to run the ball first, and it's we've we've talked about it a lot on the Rotoviz College Football Show. Is the thing that eventually opened up everything for Spencer Rattler and eventually made that offense pop to being like dominant again was the emergence of Ramondre, Ramondre Stevenson for them. Yeah. For me, there's there's some stuff that's questionable about Eric Gray. He seems to go down on first contact a little bit too much. Um, he was splitting workload in a, with a running back that really shouldn't have even been in the same conversation as him. But he was a really he was a productive member of an of a Tennessee offense that was pretty anemic. <laughs> and with Oklahoma, you aren't going to have an anemic offense, and it's going to be all kinds of fun for him. So yeah, I, just because I think he's going to declare next year, just because I think you can get him a little bit sooner, and I do think he has some of that similar upside. I would put Gray ahead of him, but I, I'm with you on a lot of the. There, there's no reason to avoid Tank Bigsby hype. He's he's gonna be worth every penny. Yeah, I think he's just got the, he's got feature back size. He can catch. He, he's got crazy good balance and and solid measured speed too. Uh, so really huge fan of, of Bigsby. And I don't think Gray could have landed in a better spot because coming kind of coming off that Tennessee landing spot, man, that's ugly. But then he goes into a situation that just, you know, gave what Ramondre Stevenson, what in his last six games, like 900 yards from scrimmage or something crazy. Obviously he's not the huge bodied feature that uh, Ramondre Stevenson is, but I think he can definitely come in and be the best back right away and solidify himself with some draft capital. But Stefan, going back to you, who, who's like the your guy, the, the your guy at running back that we haven't already mentioned? Um, well, I don't know if I have a my guy at running back. Um, I like a, a couple names of guys that I think are interesting. Uh, first of all, it's really tragic that CJ Verdell would have been in this conversation last year, and he just had just such a terrible year at Oregon. <laughs> He's coming back, and we're still not talking about him. No, is a real bummer. But uh, two guys that I just want to uh, mention is is one is uh, Demonte. Trainum at Arizona State. 
Um, I think hmm. he could be really special. He looked really good. Matt, yeah, Matt's pointing at himself. He he kind of pointed <laughs> him out early this year. Um, again, Arizona State didn't play many games. They had some COVID issues. We all know all that. Um, but but he looks special. He looks like someone who we should be talking about. And then another guy, former five-star uh, at Georgia, Zeus, uh, Zamir White. I, I was really unimpressed with his numbers this year. Uh, just, even just looking at his game log, he, he only broke 100 yards three times this, this year. And uh, I was hoping that, you know, in digging into it, like once I saw, uh, w- when did Daniel start? When did that offense start opening up? Did that change anything for him? Well, no, it didn't really. Uh, he really <laughs> only had uh, one or two solid games. And uh, I want to believe, though. Like, I want to think that he can come back, put a good season together, and uh, and kind of make us forget about, you know, a weird year. I am curious what we'll think this time next year, like after coming off a more normal season, because this COVID year was so, so strange. I, I'm, I'm curious what will happen looking at some of these guys numbers but so so zeus and um train number two guys i'm interested in and then someone who is like the least maybe the least sexy um production (laughs) but (laughs) mainly because he's going to be one of these super seniors is brian robinson jr at alabama Mm. Um, i don't know if trey sanders is going to get the opportunity uh this year or not i'd like him to because i have some some sanders stock but uh i don't know they 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 seem to trust him robinson got more work this year than i would have expected so coming back uh like you guys have mentioned like bama might be just relying on that running game a lot more we we might see him uh take a jump so yeah those are those are a couple of names uh some of the transfer guys that we meant like we mentioned bowman already but like ingram now at usc charbonnet at ucla that could be a lot of fun yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens with some of these transfers. Yeah, I think we're we're about to see some major stocks pop for some of these guys in new situations. And I'm going to write up some, some more transfer stuff here soon because in just in recent years, we've seen a major spike in success of transfer running backs at the next level and, and even getting draft capital at the next level. Even just this year, we saw what Antonio Gibson and Keyshawn Vaughn get day two capital. We, you know, Alvin Kamara saw it, but before that we had like a, almost a 10 year gap of just straight irrelevance outside of uh, maybe a couple guys. So it's just, yeah, I think I think the transfer portal has started to change things, and, and now this immediate um, uh, immediate eligibility is going to change things for every position. But I think especially running back, if you have to sit out an entire year as a running back and then jump in and be like, "Hey, I, I need to garner a feature back workload," that, it, that, it's insanely difficult to do at the running back position. We've seen quarterbacks work out for transfers, wide receivers work out for transfers here recently, but I think it's going to start. We're going to start to see that happen more often with running backs now more than ever. But a couple other names I'm I'm excited about uh, also Kyron Williams, Notre Dame, Jerry and Ely, Ole Miss guys I definitely like as well. There there are some names to get excited about, but maybe not elite options necessarily for the for the pros like we've been spoiled with here recently. But lastly, let's wrap things up with some wide receiver before Stefan. You got to hop off here. I got a hard stop coming up for you, but. Wide receiver, uh, you know, the 2022 NFL draft class for wide receiver, and maybe this is due to COVID, also kind of a weak, weakish class maybe last year in terms of immediate production. It's setting up to potentially be the worst set of production profiles ever for a collective draft class. Um, there's some exceptions uh, at the at the top, but, uh, you know, especially thanks to Chris Olave returning. But overall, it's a very shallow, uh, trustworthy class in terms of production profiles go. So what are your thoughts overall? Like, do you guys have, I know Matt, you're a huge Chris Olave guy. You're a huge Garrett Wilson fan because you're Ohio State. But uh, who, is, who is your wide receiver one overall uh, that's coming back to college football? Matt? I mean, for me, it's Wilson. I think Wilson showed... Um, a real development in the slot this year. I think the return, everyone's kind of concerned about Alave coming back as being a negative for Wilson, but I think Alave kind of showed that he, he alleviates some pressure from Wilson when I'm the one question I have about Wilson is whether or not he can be a true number one wide receiver in the NFL. I think he's probably going to slot into a uh, high upside wide receiver two on an NFL offense, but those guys can be incredibly productive. And for me, I think he, he showed real upside with some of his playmaking ability and so that's why he jumps in as my one but it's probably like pretty close between him and george pickens because pickens started to pick back up at the end of the year when he had a real quarterback so it's those two but i would i would put wilson at one and then chris alave is probably three for me okay what about you stefan yeah i think uh same three different order i've got pickens 
one. And, and again, I think what Matt just said kind of pro- uh, not proves that point, but it makes that point for me, just like when he actually had a competent quarterback and, and him and Daniels will be playing together all, all season next year, hopefully. Uh, I mean, his, his production just elevated um, significantly three times as much production when <laughs> Daniels was a quarterback. Yeah. Another name to think about, though, was Justin Ross. Um, if he can come back healthy, man, who knows what he and DJU can do at Clemson. I think Ross could be uh, someone that if, uh, if if you didn't drop him because of the injury, you held on to him in Debbie Leagues, uh, he's going to pay off in spades. I think he we we were talking about him uh, a couple weeks ago. And, you know, if, if any if any wide receiver can make the jump to be like the wide receiver one, Justin Ross could be that guy because we've seen him do it before. Yeah. And uh, it's just a matter of if he can get back on the field healthy. Um, so yeah, th- those are some of the names that I like at the top. One of the guys that is a is a secret love of mine. Well, not so secret, but man, I'm a big fan of Marvin Mims. I'm yes. uh, just watching what he did on the stretch. I'm super excited for him. I'm a big fan. I'm going to be drafting him way too early, and it's uh, <laughs> it's not going to be a bad thing. I'm going to be happy with it. Yeah, man. I definitely definitely love Marvin Mims. He definitely did explode early on. He was a little bit small. Uh, I didn't know if he would immediately warrant a uh, huge market share, but he did. He was right away. Like first or second game, like clearly, obviously the best playmaker on the team. So I wonder if he maintains that with their strong wide receiver class. But uh, Stefan, I think you've got to hop off here. But uh, but thanks for thanks for joining us here. And Matt Matt and I will see what we can do with wrapping up these wide receivers. But anything you want to plug plug or wide receivers you want to mention before you hop off? No, it's uh, I mean I can't I can't let us not talk about Micah Pittman at all. Uh, the production <laughs> will go. be there. The, uh, the 40 time won't be there, but man, he looks good in that Oregon green and yellow. So, you know, <laughs> it was good chatting with you fellas. I, uh, I'll, I'll listen to the rest of the show uh, when you, when you drop it in a couple of days here. I'll see you Sounds guys. Good, man. Thanks for, thanks for joining us. Fun. You have a good one. But yeah, Micah Pittman. Micah Pittman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hey. He's I mean, I'm a, homer, got our Oregon. I'm a homer for one of the best offenses in the country. Yeah, so. that is, a little, that's cheating. You know, you get to. Root for, uh, you know, guys, all they do is bring in five star wide receivers like, you know, with Purdue, I've got Rondell Moore and David Bell. uh, But outside of that, I haven't had much to talk about with Purdue football. Uh, (laughs) That's been a good thing outside of, you know, hold over my head, the Rondell Moore game. So you get that. Yes, I do. Always get that game forever and ever. 2018 Rondell Moore annihilated your team. And that's probably going to be the only time. We'll never watch that game. (laughs) I wouldn't recommend it. I mean. If you're an Ohio State, I, it's fan. interesting. I think that uh, you're right about 2022. It's sort of a it is sort of a weak class. The the name we I don't think we've mentioned him yet. Traylon Burks from Arkansas is yeah. His his profile is starting to look really good. Uh, Drake London, I believe, is 2022 eligible. Um, mm-hmm. He's going to be another name that is going to be kind of that like sexy pick that people want to make if they're a little bit like hipsterish is the word I like to use for it. He's going to be <laughs> one of those guys that he is uh, honestly like he his profile doesn't warrant a second round pick in my opinion i think he should be miles behind chris alave but i honestly think when it all when it starts to get into it i think he's going to have a very similar adp to chris alave and that's silly 2023 is is starting to look pretty good i don't i don't know if you're in the same boat as me but yeah i know your guy your guy's jordan addison at least from a profile perspective yeah i think i'm kind of with you on him yeah, I definitely like, and we'll get to that class real quick, but just just one more note on the 2022 guys. I mean, if you look at the production profiles, like just just for this year's class, like coming out in, in the 2021 NFL draft, you know, even before this past season, we already had like Jatarius Tutu Atwell, Rashad Bateman, Tylen Wallace, Sage Surratt, and Jamar Chase, all with uh, adjusted production index scores, uh, a metric we use at Rotoviz that talks about their dominator rating, adjusted yards per team pass attempt numbers and touchdown per team pass attempt numbers to kind of fill out a wide receivers production profile with one solid score. There were already five guys that had over 80th percentile adjusted production index scores coming into this season. And then we ended up with, I think eight guys just in power five. And then like another handful, like another six guys on the group of five conferences uh, that it ended up with decent scores in that regard. This year, there is not one in this entire 2022 class that is above an 80th percentile profile for production-wise. Like, Traylon Burks, the closest thing, like he's 75th percentile. David Bell is like right there, 73rd percentile. Garrett Wilson kind of popped. He hit the like 60th percentile threshold that we like to see. 
that generally leads to day two draft capital for wide receivers. Chris Olave kind of like right there in that in that sweet spot too. But George Pickens kind of fell short. Even Justin Ross, you know, he didn't have another year to prove it. Drake London missed the mark by a ton because you know he he you know he's six five two ten had a couple big games with eight receptions. But overall, because of the air raid offense, he didn't really account for a huge chunk of that that offense still. Uh, and really, thanks to him, Amon Ross St. Brown eating a bunch of that production. But, you know, even the guys that we're headlining this class with do not have great production profiles. So unless they have insane peak numbers and what we hope is a no- more normal season, uh, we might be, like I said, looking at the worst collective set of production profiles in modern NFL draft history, which for non-nerds is like, OK, whatever, I don't care. But <laughs> I mean, it really can speak to the hit rate for a collective class. So I think, you know, there's a top five or six, maybe seven, but after that, it gets really gross. Back yeah, to I'm, the- I'm definitely with you. No, <laughs> I mean, I, I'm with you on that. I think 2022 is going to be one of those drafts that we've been, people haven't realized that they've been spoiled with the last couple of years with the talent that has been coming in. And 2022 might be a little bit eye-opening for people when you're in just a rookie draft and you're at pick six, looking around going, do I take like in a non super flex? Do I take a quarterback? So no, but I I do think it's it's funny because for as bad as twenty twenty two looks, I real I might be that excited um, for how good twenty twenty three looks. We already mentioned some of the running backs, but talent for talent, we saw some wide receivers get on the field even in crowded wide receiver rooms. So Mims was one of those guys that uh, Stefan mentioned. Kayshawn, I'm going to butcher it. Kayshawn Boots, I don't care if I said Boutte. it wrong. So, you know, some Boutte. people just say booty. You know, Kayshawn Booty. I, I don't know. I think, it, I think it's Boutte. But <laughs> great year for LSU. Kind of popped here and there. Um, and then, well, I'm trying to – Jordan Addison. I mean, we yeah, for Jordan Pitt. Addison, it just had a ridiculous profile. He's one of my, like, kind of weird players, though, that I have to figure out because there is a reason why he wasn't a highly rated high school prospect, and there is a reason why he – uh, went to Pittsburgh rather than say a, a huge program. And this isn't, I don't actually want to knock players that did this, but I do think there's some, you still, there's some nuance to how we have to look at their production because him getting to the top of a Pittsburgh depth chart should not be seen in the same way as like Jackson Smith and jig, but not getting to the top of the Ohio state depth chart because the rooms are, are balanced very differently. So yeah. um, I do like Addison a ton. I, I'm with, there's, I, I was a huge Tutu Atwell guy, and we all know that Louisville had nothing in their wide receiver room. So I think there's value in getting that dominator rating and really being that yards per team pass attempt, like loading up on Efficient, it. But, yeah. uh, so I, I'm pretty interested in him. Uh, Rakeem Jarrett, he had the one real pop-off game where he just went off and really made himself known nationally. He clearly showed his talent there. I think my one under, under-ish, the radar guy, is... Um, a dude that was fun for DFS a lot this year, and that was Parker Washington of Penn State. Yeah. I was pleasantly surprised because for years, Penn State has basically been, yes, we can get one, we can have one really good looking wide receiver on our team, and we can have one person producing at wide receiver. But Washington really kind of made a sneaky big impact for them. And I was, he's one of those guys that I think I'm going to have to talk myself down a little bit because when I do initial <laughs> rankings on him, I'm probably going to be too high on him and I'm going to have to like just remind myself that, okay, he didn't have this ridiculous year. He was just pretty productive for a maybe questionable team, but I I, I saw a lot there. Yeah. And you know, he did actually account for over 20% of Penn state's receiving yards this year. And I think almost like, what was it? A third of the receiving touchdowns too. He had a couple of pop-off moments where he just kind of took over. Jahan Dotson obviously is going to be the alpha he's returning but I think they, that could be one of the deadliest duos if they can get some quarterback play going for Penn State uh, next year. That's definitely a name to watch. Although you mentioned J- Jordan Addison, um, I think some people forget he was actually so he he was an athlete designation. I think that's why a lot of uh, us uh, the people that are into recruiting we don't always know what to do with these guys. You know, he he could have gone either way. Like he could have been a safety or he could have been a wide receiver. So a lot of people weren't weren't ranking Jordan Addison very high. But by most recruiting services standards, he was actually a top 200 recruit. Like I think some actually had him as as a top 150 overall recruit. So for Mr. Ohio State over here, that's not very good. But for for most for most people, that's a pretty good. He's a pretty good recruit overall. No, he, you know, it's just. He, <laughs> 
He is. He is talented. He. I, I'm looking at his composite right now. He was uh, in the composite. He was 275 overall. He was the number 10 overall athlete. Yeah. He's good. I, I definitely just, am underselling how much how talented he is. And it's not like he's at a Mac school doing this. He did this at Pitt. It was a but, Power Five program. Yeah. I get what you're saying. But though. there like, is DJ Turner, yeah. like who was a super senior, like was his only real competition for for market share, receiving yard market share this year. So, yeah, he he came in and did great things, but he wasn't really competing with anyone. So it's not like, you know, even, even Boutte coming in and, and having to compete with some real athletes, Marvin Mims doing it for Oklahoma. Uh, you know, the, even, even Parker Washington at Penn state having to come in and even share with Pat Farmuth at tight end and Jahan Dotson, you know, more proven guys, but definitely a lot of, a lot of uh, intriguing profiles jumping out. Uh, and I mean, there even some G five guys like Kyle will, uh, Kyle Williams for UNLV, uh, even like Kyron Lacey for Louisiana, even like the, like the six foot, I think he's six, almost six foot six, like six foot seven Lavelle Davis at Virginia. Uh, he's intriguing. Uh, Johnny Wilson over at Arizona state, Jalen Hyatt, Tennessee. There's, there's some interesting guys that had some pop moments, like huge, huge moments uh, as true freshmen this year. I thought it would be less so because of COVID and because these guys might get less practice. Uh, but we saw a bunch of guys contribute in their very first college seasons this year. So I'm, I'm intrigued immediately by the draft class two years from now. And next we year, even, I think, you know, maybe there might be like David Bell. I really like from Purdue. He 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 kind of really exploded this year and, and was efficient. Traylon Burks uh, kind of answered some questions with his profile and really the other guys we mentioned for 2022. But beyond that, like, is there anybody you're really excited about for next year's draft that, uh, outside of like the obvious top seven or so? I mean, I'm hoping we get a Jaden Hazelwood breakout uh, and we finally see it from him. I'm hoping we get Brew McCoy potentially. Yeah. I, I think I honestly I think Brew McCoy is a better player than Drake London, just from what I've seen. I, I think he does a he does a lot of things that are special and he is a truly elite athlete. I would love to see him kind of break out because he's kind of one of those guys that I think will test well enough at the combine that he may earn himself draft stock, even though his profile is going to be a little bit lower. Yeah. But no, I'm I mean, CJ Johnson, I, I loved him after his freshman year, but didn't eh. <laughs> Didn't really do it this nope. year. Reggie Ro- uh, uh, Reg- Reggie Roberson Jr. Maybe you know yeah. he's he's going to be an older player now. But and then I love I my heart I love Zay Flowers. He's a whole lot of fun. That's a good I, name. I mean that's a good name. That, but I mean he's another one of those guys that he's probably going to need thirteen hundred yards or something silly <laughs> to get on the NFL radar to get day two draft stock. So that's kind of yeah. my issue with him. But there's going to be talent somebody in this in the next 12 months somebody's going to pop that we aren't really talking about that much right now and who knows maybe it'll be Micah Pittman no it's not going to be Micah Pittman um <laughs> but I, I mean I think it'll fun. be an interesting year and, uh I, I mean yeah but so I you and I are both into with Stefan not here I do have to ask you a couple of questions <laughs> okay. who are your favorite incoming freshman like who if you're in a Debbie draft this year and it's it's not always a great idea to waste picks on a freshman because you have to wait such a long time but if there's a freshman that you're really willing to stake your claim on I know one of the names that you're going to stake yeah stake but uh, is there anyone that is really standing out to you as someone who you would take that risk for yeah so Tyler Buckner obviously is one of my favorite players he had he had to miss the entire season because his school didn't have a football season out in California this year but what he did uh last year in 2019 was just absurd had like 50 something touchdowns passing had like 1600 plus rushing yards just he does everything you want to see makes all the throws uh he, he reminds me of like a young Stafford too he can like contort his arm in all sorts of weird ways and do quick releases and he's just a really fun player for Notre Dame I don't know if he's going to earn the starting job for Notre Dame right away because Jack Cohn's coming in from Wisconsin but I think he's way better than Cohn but because Notre Dame and the the entire coaching staff is just really dumb and bad uh you know I I say that and they make it to the college football playoff but if they actually started the best players they could be really good Buckner is a guy that I'm staking my claim on for quarterback and then running back, I really like Donovan Edwards. Uh, I think he's going to be the first Michigan back to not be terrible and not let us down. I say that, and then he probably will. But Donovan Edwards is basically a, a feature back ready monster. Uh, so much so, I think he's, he scared Zach Charbonnet out, out the door to transfer to UCLA. 
And uh, I think he's going to make, you know, be a huge impact player in year one alongside Hassan, Hassan Haskins. Uh, those are, those are my guys for sure. Way down the list in terms of wide receivers. I mentioned, you know, Sam Howell, you know, he's losing Diami Brown and Daz Newsome. Maybe Josh Downs is the new uh, slot for them. But I think Gavin Blackwell, who's just barely a top 200 overall recruit, could slide in as a starting wide receiver as a true freshman and have a true freshman breakout for them. So that that would be interesting. That's way deep in terms of Debbie, Debbie leagues because he's like a wide receiver, you know, 20 or, or beyond for most. But I think he could make an impact, be that Jordan Addison out of nowhere looking player, Gavin Blackwell, North Carolina. I'm with you, I think, on all of those names, uh, probably less so on Blackwell. That's not much to be said. Uh, (laughs) Edwards, I think, will be in the conversation for 2024, running back one, and it pains my heart to say that. But in seeing him have breakaway speed and seeing him be the complete running back, I I mean, I'm with you. Uh, My running back in this class is Travion Henderson. Surprise. Uh, (laughs) Shut up. He's the number one (laughs) overall running back for a reason. Um, So... He, similar to Buckner, didn't play uh, senior season because Virginia didn't play this year. He opted to not transfer to another state to play football. But as a junior in high school, he had uh, 2,424 uh, yards and 45 rushing touchdowns. He had 283 receiving yards and five touchdowns. I mean, that that type of production coming out of a kid is uh, pretty absurd. And now he is going to an offense that has really had no issues developing running backs and turning them into pros. So I am, I'm very high on his potential. And I think he, the running back room at Ohio state is deep, but it isn't super duper talented other than him and other incoming freshmen, Evan Pryor. But there's a, there's definitely a hole where he could jump in and immediately contribute at wide receiver. I'm going to go with someone not a Mecca Egbuka because everyone expects me to say a Mecca Egbuka. <laughs> I'm going to go with Jacory Brooks um, yeah. out of Alabama. He's the, He's number two in the wide receiver in the composite rankings. He, I like him a little bit more than some of the other guys because he's a little bit taller. Um, and I do think that he's going – we mentioned it. Someone out of this group, they brought in four guys from the top 100. One of them is going to get on the field as a freshman, so you kind of have to take your bet of who you think is going to be the one to jump. For me, that's Ja'Cory Brooks. Yeah, I mean, I I, I think you're right on, on with uh, Tyler Buckner. I, I'm not sure he would be my number one in this class, I think – I don't even know if I have a clear cut number one for quarterback. I, yeah. Kyle, Kyle McCord. No, I don't actually think Kyle McCord ever starts a game at Ohio no, state. CJ I, I would dude. say, um, I think Caleb Williams, Caleb Williams looks like a true dual threat quarterback. I'm not as high on him as some, um, because I watched a lot of stuff from the elite 11 and he did really bad at the elite 11, but <laughs> with him going to Oklahoma, you have to assume that he's going to be developed pretty well. You have to assume that, I mean, the reason he won Elite 11 is because his film was so good. So, yeah, I, I think C.J. Williams is a very interesting dude. And I uh, I, I mean, not C.J., but Caleb Williams is a really interesting guy. So that's that's kind of where I would go. And, yeah, I, there's a, I mean, there's a lot of talent coming in. I think that there's going to be quite a few wide receivers that come out of this class. And yeah. it looks pretty deep there. It, it does look very deep. And, unfortunately, almost all of them went to Alabama. So, <laughs> yeah, like, seriously, four out of the top, what, 10 receivers like in this 10, class all yeah. went to Alabama. And then uh, Marvin Harrison Jr., though, that's just weird that he's actually, you know, Marvin Marvin Harrison's son is going to be with Ohio State, and he's actually in college now. I mean, we got Frank Gore Jr., Marvin Harrison Jr. We got, like, Chad Johnson's kid is at Arizona State. Like, it's just weird. It's, it's odd just, like, seeing all these guys. But, one more name, I think, Destin Hill. Uh, he changed his Love name it. this year. Destin Hill for Florida State. Uh, kind of deeper uh, as well at wide receiver. But coming in in Mike Norvell's kind of first real full recruiting cycle as like the alpha wide receiver, I think, for the Florida State offense. Hopefully they're less of a dumpster fire this coming year. But De- Destin Hill could be another true freshman breakout that's kind of not an obvious name uh, atop most recruiting boards. But a guy I'm a huge fan of, but any, any other names you want to kind of plug in this class player prospects you're excited about returning before we sign off here? I, I am. I'm going to just say it right now. I'm going to be too high on Kevon Lee. I know there are a lot <laughs> of film back. people yeah. who are not in on him yet, but I saw a guy that was clearly the best running back in that Penn state room. And I think they're going to have to lean on the running game this year because Sean Clifford is still not a very good running or not a very good quarterback. So I think Kevon Lee is a very talented back. I don't think I was too high when I was calling him like top five at various points during the year in this class, but 
I do think that he is a um, a meaningful prospect and probably not draft worthy unless you're in like a super deep league, but he's yeah. a dude that very well might be productive. For sure. Kayvon Lee, of course, Penn State running back, and uh, they've, they've been cranking out some okay running backs with, you know, Miles Sanders, Saquon Barkley, you know, some other names. Yep. But yeah, that's about all the time we have on this show. Hopefully you uh, learned a few names of these prospects you didn't already know, and uh, hopefully... Uh, you know, got got to hear uh, some names of, of, of favorite players of yours that are returning to college football. If you have any other questions, listeners, for for us, feel free to find us on Twitter again. Uh, Stay fun was at Stay Fun Lako, uh, that's L A K O, and then uh, Matt is Wispy the Kid on Twitter, and I am Travis May. It's F F underscore Travis M. We'd be glad to talk. Uh, future NFL drafts, this year's NFL draft, and, there, and we'll be back with much more. 2021 NFL draft content this spring as well. But definitely make sure to check out the Rotoviz College Football Show with Matt and Stefan and all of our other great shows on Rotoviz Radio. But uh, until next time, appreciate you guys joining us and I look forward to many more episodes of the College Canton Podcast. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.